You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to the room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This is episode number 281, we're discussing the Venom Let There Be Carnage trailer number two and our prelude to The Suicide Squad. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Carlos. Guys, we come back here every single week, every single Tuesday to record, and every single Thursday for an episode to drop. And I would say 90% of the time I walk into the room, my wife says, what are you going to talk about this week? And I say, whatever nerd puts in front of us. And this week, we've got another dose of the world that we've embroiled ourselves in. We've got Venom, Let There Be Carnage, trailer number two, a movie that... I would say, was relatively and more or less universally panned by us at its first trailer. It's interesting to see what we're going to see about this second trailer and what it does, how it's evolved our thoughts on what this film is going to be and how maybe it fits into the broader Sony universe. We're also going to talk about The Suicide Squad. James Gunn's The Suicide Squad is coming at us this week, and I am pumped i cannot wait to get into this the reception has been unbelievable we got some good friends that have seen this already giving it high high praise and the biggest thing that i've taken away from this it's a james gunn film and james gunn did what he wanted and he delivers the goods both emotionally with the comedic chops and with the characters i cannot wait to see this movie and we're gonna run down our anticipation levels if you cannot already guess it's pretty high for me we're going to run that down towards the end of the episode. And we're also going to talk about this evolving narrative inside of Hollywood when it comes to the streaming service versus the big screen. We're seeing some, again, consequences for this big shift when it comes to actors and their paydays at the end of the day when it comes to this split between the forced streaming, maybe the experimental streaming, and the big screen. So we're going to break all of that down in just a few minutes because we're going to get to the greatest segment of each and every week. My favorite segment, my personal favorite segment, and that's This Week in Nerd. Now, guys, I've had a pretty slow week. I've been on vacation, been crushing Bud Lights for my dude, Zeddy, there, and I'm continuing that. But when it comes to vacation, there's always time for comic books, and I found myself reading at a very feverish pace. I read 25 Captain America comic books in the last two days. The Tanahashi Coates comic book, it is great, guys. It is fantastic, and I'm loving getting back in and actually catching up on one of my very few pulls in the comic book world. And I will say, this is for you, Carlos. My next step here, I've got another five days of vacation. Strange Adventures, man. I'm going to get all caught up here for the September drop of the final issue, issue number 13 of that book. Cannot wait, man. But yeah, my week, no collecting, no plastic, all comic books nice man so that captain america reading you did that, that include that united states the captain america book as well no this, this is just the straight run that tanashi Coates has been putting out up to issue 30 i think they're at right now that's where i got to okay. i believe that was the last one i picked up from marty so yeah no i haven't got quite got there yet so my next i'm just trying to plow through all of my existing runs and then i gotta figure out where i am i have no idea where i am in my comic books i just have all these i've been pulling the comics i've been paying marty i've just been loading them up digitally and this is the time I'm using. But to be honest with you, I don't know contextually where the Marvel Universe is at at all. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's awesome. And I'm super excited for you to catch up on Strange Adventures. Like, it, it's an unreal book. 
unreal. Like I'm probably going to be right there with you and do a issue one to issue mm-hmm. 12 reread right before the last one comes out. Cause it's been a special book and yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm envious of all that reading time you're getting in. Yeah. And it's great. It's great. But what have you guys been up to Troy, my man? Yeah. What have you been up to oh. on the hunt this week? Nothing. It's, it's slow. I'm, I'm like you, man. I've been doing the comics. I've, uh, I had a fat stack however long ago and it's been taking me a while to get through just because it's been all over the place from Vader to Batman to Ninja Turtles and, um, <laughs> that and, is and Yara. <laughs> yeah. And Wonder Girl, thanks to Carlos actually who, who delivered that. And, um, I did issue one out of the two. I think there's about four issues, three issues out, but, uh, first issue, what a banger. Oh, <laughs> the art in this book. I tell like the whole time this page, like, there's like very minimal action through this first issue and every page I'm stunned by the art and the colors and the design of everybody. And there's just so much life behind this character. Um, she, she's a major standout for me. One of the coolest new characters ever made in a long time. And I just love this whole, like, you know, it's like a, a fantasy world that's about to happen in a modern day era. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm completely just engaged in what's going on. I can't wait to dive into issue two because the way issue one ended was like, okay, this is we're getting to like the hero's journey for Yara. So Carlos, can't thank you enough, man, for scooping up those issues because as a ma- massive fan of the uh, the future state introduction of that character, so super cool book, um, Ninja Turtles. I'm at uh, issues one sixteen. I believe I've uh, kind of caught up there roughly, and um, you know, it, it kind of went on a bit of a lull. Um, I know there's a lot of turtle people out there that, you know, are very fond of like the turtles playing music. <laughs> it's never really been my kind of thing. And right now in the books, they've kind of been doing this whole notion of like putting a band together with time travel. And I'm like, the time travel's cool, but the the band battle of the bands isn't really my thing. <laughs> It's, so it's actually about it's, it's to too uh, line with those NECA figures that they released. Well, with the, with the NECAs, <laughs> but I remember like way back. Well, you know, going back to like the nineties when they're up on stage performing, I was like, Oh, that's, that's different. But, um, they kind of paid a little bit of homage to it, I guess in this book mm-hmm. is it's kind of, you know, a little bit of an Easter egg, which is cool, but I just felt like there's too many issues on that. But now it looks like we're getting the ball rolling and a, a certain big bad has kind of returned, but it's like a different take. And I'm like, okay, like I, I think I'm back into this book. So that's been pretty cool. And um, I think I caught up on Vader. Vader, it's been a long time because right now where they are in that book, it's um, it's basically the events between uh, Empire and Return of the Jedi, which is kind of neat. But um, and it's been tied in a lot of tissues from uh, Rise of Skywalker, which has been kind cool. of interesting. There's been some different takes on Vader in this book. It's it's not as strong, nowhere near as strong actually as Charles Soule's uh, Volume Two of Vader. But I think it's on par, maybe even. Some story arcs are a bit better than the first volume mm-hmm. of Vader. So it's it's a little hit or miss, but it's it's kind of cool. But um, yeah, it's been a comic thing. But man, the, the action figures. I haven't picked up anything. But huh, like the hot toys of all hot toys that I've just been like dying for. They've given us the zombie hunter Spider-Man. And I, I don't even care about that. But the costume. The costume of this character mm-hmm. is like... It's it's basically it's it's the Disney campus Spider Man for which for me is like like the it's like a cooler version of uh, the Homecoming costume. It looks like a complete costume. Like this is where Spider Man should be in his career once he's kind of over this Far From Home arc. At least that's when I got my my head cannon. But um, he comes with like the Doctor Strange cape, and I'm 
I'm pretty sure it's removable, much like the Doctor Strange hot toy. So, so this is the what if Carlos stuff, and I were going right? back and forth. It's the what if. It's based yeah. off the what if. But um, for me, I was always looking for like that that MCU look of a Spider Man, and this basically is like the Homecoming costume, but um, like deeper line threads. You got like the chromed out uh, web shooters and like a bigger spider emblem on the chest, and there's a little bit more blue, and it's a lighter blue. So for me, it works, and the head sculpt is just it's fantastic looking. So I'm, I'll throw that cape out, and uh, I'll have myself like an MCU proper kind of Spider-Man. And uh, oh man, I just I was blown away. There's so many reveals, and and, and, and Timbo, come on, your cap, oh. like the what if cap zombie. Oh, the, le- my the legends God. coming home. The legends coming home for oh, sure. Yeah, th- that that's a must because that's actually one of the better ones because yeah. that line they dropped. I was impressed by like the is it Captain Carter? Is that yeah, what Captain Carter? Or? I think. She for me was the standout. Yeah. She, her, and Zombie Cap look amazing in that Marvel Legends line. Like they did my boy T'Challa wrong because he looks all kinds of cartoony and weird. Yeah, that was a but... kind of a, and I guess it's a bit of a stylized con- or a stylized animation too, right? And what's well, weird because Peggy looks kind of real. Like, yeah, Peggy they've... looks like you could put her with the MCU stuff. Yeah, it's kind of an yeah. interesting take on all that. Is that it's almost like they use? You remember those Disney figures that were in the Disney store? The, they're like, oh, like the, the toy box or yeah the toy box ones like, yeah. the t'challa yeah. kind of looks like that yeah like it's a bit stylized yeah. in that form and then the yeah. other ones have a bit more realistic look and then you go to the zombie cap which is highly detailed like oh. the legs and everything they did i was zooming oh. in trying to see that like the bones coming out it's really well done i i'm really quite good. surprised how hard they lead into this what if with legends and hot toys yeah mm-hmm. that's huge well, like huge, Hot Toys so. made like the big like mech for Steve Rogers and stuff. Yeah, it's like, yeah, and, and Peggy as well. Like that's huge, and you can see Steve Rogers coming out of the mech. Like that's amazing. Yeah, I think there's so. a Marvel Legend of that mech as well. Yes, yes, there is. Yeah, the big yeah. army looking kind of Iron Monger looking thing. Yes, yeah, like mm-hmm. the Hydra something yeah. or another. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's just a deluxe figure they can buy. So the, the figures are firing on all cylinders. They finally dropped a cyborg going on. Um, there's this oh and the Luke Skywalker from Mandalorian okay. Hot Toy. I, I want to ask you guys about wow. that. So, I know that like I'm not I'm not in that space of Hot Toys, but is is that Hot Toy? Because it was this is a a re-release of it, kind of like with updated accessories, or is this the right. first time we're seeing this? So it's essentially because I have like the one you're talking about. I have that one, okay. which is the Return of the Jedi Luke, but this one is like um a complete uh. I guess you could say like replica in a one six scale look of the Mandalorian version, which is like that six year time jump yeah. from the one that I have. But for me, like the body looks the exact same, but the cloak's black mm-hmm. instead of like the dark brown. Yes, yes. And the head is is like very Mandalorian yeah. season finale accurate. And it's got Grogu really and all good. that. So is that are Grogu, you gonna pull the yeah. trigger on that given what you already have? No, no, no I'm not. I mean, if I could grab a head off of like yeah. eBay, ebay or something i would swap it maybe because the head actually looks really good mm-hmm. but i mean i could throw the cloak over my guy and kind of pose him up and now i can kind of get the same look so yeah 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 is that is that is Great that figure, though. is that grogu coming into your house carlos <laughs> oh man like i sent troy a dm because he's just like because he's trying to put the pressure on me because he's looking at this reveals <laughs> and he's like i got this spider-man from what if on lock and i got cyborg on lock so he's like, I need somebody to commiserate with me. So he's trying to push like the extreme environment bat suit on me. But and I'm literally sitting on the steps of my going to the upstairs, and my kid's coming down as Troy's like selling me this hot toys figure. She's like spamming me with pictures of the loop. And yes. she's like, So 
do you think I should uh, get this Luke figure or should I just like hang tight and get Rex? And I was like, I think you should get a job is what I think. <laughs> oh, man. I, I love that. But yeah, like she, she like the Luke figure is cool. And the Grogu that comes with it is because he comes packed in with everybody who's handled him over the course of the show, which I think is cool. But each one cool. is different. And uh, this one's probably the best one, I think. So it's I, not, I like they just better. haven't taken it out of the Mando pack and dumped it into this one. No, like every single one, like the one that comes with like even the biker scout mm-hmm. that goes on oh. the on the side of the speeder is different than the one that comes with IG-11. That's different than comes with uh, Ahsoka and stuff like that. So um, they know what they're doing, man. They know that there's an older version of my daughter out there who has the money to mm-hmm. buy them all. Yeah, and yeah. So well, she's got that that plastic anxiety now. It sounds like man, like that's that's <laughs> that's flowing through her, just like the force. I know. Well, it's funny that you say that because like this weekend nerd for me was crazy light, like nothing for me. And on Saturday, I remember kind of driving around, and I like stopped in my parents' house, and I was like, ah, maybe I'll go to the to the local, hit a few shops, and I was like, ah, you know what? I got that Venom bus last week. I'm good. I gotta be good. That, that thing was amazing. That was just a gift. I'm just going to enjoy that. But then my wife comes home with the kids having lunch with my in-laws out in Cochrane. And she comes flying in the house and she'll let, she's like, you'll never believe what I found. I was like, what do you mean that you found? And you go for lunch with your grandparents? She's like, no. And she had gone, they'd gone for lunch. And she spots this like secondhand store and goes in there and finds herself a Qui-Gon Black series. Like the kind of red box ones. No way. Troy has wow. sitting over his shoulder there. Yeah. So she got a pretty smoking deal on it. I was like, oh, man, I hope you guys didn't pay too much for this, knowing that the Best Buy one was kind of out there. But she paid kind of within the ballpark of that thing. So I was like, oh, good for you. And the head looks better on the old one, I think, than the new one. Wow. She lands Qui-Gon. And then uh, it's weird. Like she (laughs) She got scouted for this modeling agency, but it's the one that sits on top of our local comic Mm -hmm. store, on top of Marty's. So... She has to go to some gig there today and she phones me and she's like, all right, I, I stopped into the store and she's going to do modeling work, but she's like, I'm in the store and I found Commander Cody and I found a Ventress, but can you phone Troy to see if he needs a Ventress or a Cody? Because he has two of each of them. And there's also an Ahsoka from Rebels. So I have her on my cell phone and I'm phoning him from the house phone or vice versa. And I'm like, dude, do you, do you need these figures? And... It's just crazy. My, but my anyways, heart for... is singing right now because of that exchange. Like the fact, the fact that she's out there looking out for Troy is the best. I know it's crazy. So to any of our young listeners out there, like uh, I guess, hang out with your dad and go hunting for Black Series figures, and you'll also get to accomplish your your dreams in the modeling, acting, whatever world. So I was like. <laughs> It's so messed up. I was like, are any, I hope none of the other girls that are down there with you, like rooting around for figures down there, or maybe it's a good thing if they are. So yeah, (laughs) that was kind of cool. Yeah. (laughs) And then the only other thing was uh, with my youngest, actually, she's been reading these Marvel rising uh, trade paperbacks that they've been putting out for younger readers. And they're kind of paperback novel size uh, collections. And it's just runs of all the, characters that I guess they feel would appeal to younger characters or younger readers. So Miss Marvel, she's read a ton of those and uh, Hawkeye or Kate Bishop Hawkeye and Miles Morales 
read way more of his character now than even I got to read. But uh, Kate Bishop ended up being the standout for like, she fell in love with Kamala Khan, but like the Kate Bishop stories really grabbed her. And like every time one of those books dropped, she had to have the next one and that thing would get polished off in a week. So uh, she kind of got to the end of it and I hear her talking with her friends and she's really pumping up uh, Kate. And I just had the idea and uh, I gave her access to my Comixology account and ended up buying her the Matt Fraction Hawkeye books. And she has just been crushing those and loving them kind of having these parallel storylines. So she's coming it to the coming from it the opposite perspective as us, where she's read absolutely everything with Kate Bishop and the Young Avengers. But now she's seeing what Clint was doing during this whole time. And it's kind of cool. cool. Like I'm getting these messages from her like past her bedtime with like screen caps and she's like, look at this. And then she's like explaining in very poor grammar what Kate was doing at the same time and how it ties in and how he's talking about this dog and what this dog becomes to the two of them when they become like a mentor mentee type partnership. So that was really cool. And like, man, anybody with kids out there, if you want to start sharing books with them, comiXology, it's mm-hmm. like, I think the the fraction Hawkeye stuff cost me, Twelve ninety nine. That's wild. For, wow. Yeah, because yeah, the, the, the books in real life are quite expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and so she gets to read these things. I don't have to worry about them getting wrecked, and yeah, yeah, have access to them for a song. So that was pretty cool, actually, and just seeing her excitement and seeing her uh, get into the deeper connections of comic books and all that type of stuff was pretty cool. Pretty cool. She'll never know the pain of not having enough allowance money to read all of the Atlantis Attacks <laughs> annuals back in the day. But, uh, you know, I, I do what I can to steer these kids right. Yeah, man, you, you, you're doing the work. You're doing the work of uh, of 10 dads there, it seems. No she, she must have been stoked about seeing the first look at Kate Bishop and Hawkeye, of course, and the release date of end of November for Hawkeye the on Disney+. Plus. Oh, yeah. Like, just giddy. Just giddy. And she's hilarious because she's become kind of gatekeeper-y with the kids at school <laughs> because they're experiencing these characters through Disney Plus and then latching onto them. And she she's come home from hanging out with her friends or FaceTime or whatever and had her nose all out of joint because they're not given the right respect and, like, trying to stick themselves on a on a higher plane of fandom, I guess. And I was like, oh, sister, you don't know. You don't know. <laughs> Just wait till you get a Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we've uh, we've had to start policing a bit of the TikTok commentary after uh, the defense of Tom Holland came to our attention. <laughs> I was just like, "Look, he's not your boyfriend in real life. You don't need to go all crazy." <laughs> That's a little crazy. <laughs> well, guys, we probably had relatively small weeks in there, and one thing that that we wanted to tackle. Here was a question that, that our boy Jared threw at us. But before we get that question, it, it does link up to this week in Nerd quite nicely. But before we get to that, our man Jared celebrated quite a moment in his life this past week. And we want to give a big shout out to him and his brand new fiance. So they got engaged. He posted on Twitter there a couple days ago. So us here at the Nerd Room want to give you a big congratulations. Man, it's a huge step, one that we've all taken here. And uh, we want to wish you guys all the best in uh, this next big phase of your life. Very exciting times for Jared. Yeah, man. Congratulations. You guys look to be so happy and couldn't be happier for you. So all the best going forward, my man. 
Yeah, man. Yeah, so so proud, so excited for those two. That's that's amazing. I saw the saw the post on IG, I think, a little while back there, mm-hmm. a couple of days ago, and I was just like, whoa, yeah, my guy, he did it, he did it. So ah, super stoked for you, man. Congratulations. Yeah, and amazing. That's where this question kind of takes seed, and why we thought it was appropriate. Not only giving you the congratulations, but with a wedding, with an engagement, comes a bit of financial burden at times, and that can creep into your collecting side of things and so jared had tweeted out i was scrolling through the hashtag we the nerd a couple days ago and he had tweeted out something that was about a month ago to be honest with you and i completely missed it it tied very nicely into this weekend nerd and one of the things that we talk about on here a lot is the idea of plastic anxiety and what that is and how we get it and that's just about the need the want the desire to have these collectibles and at times yes we bring in lots of stuff to our house and we don't want to give anyone the, the perception that we're, you know, these guys are spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. We're pretty cheap guys at the end of the day. And we look for the deal. We look for the things that make sense. And we're able to pass on things. So the question that he had here, and he put it out to veteran collectors, he says, what do you do to stop plastic anxiety? And you wanting to buy and get new items for your collection. We don't exactly have the funds for that. You know, he's trying not to go into a vast amount of debt. But there are a few things that he wants out there. And... It's hard sometimes to, to bridge that gap. There's real life stuff, right? This is a hobby. It's a passion. But there's a mortgage for some of us now. There's a wedding to pay for and all this. And so real life does, at times, eat into those funds. I like to say it that way and not vice versa because, you know, real life is, of course, sometimes more important than nerd. But I just want each of us just to throw one tip that we use to help manage our our debt load or our plastic anxiety or anything like that when it comes to to collecting and i'll kick i'll kick this off this is something that i that i talk about all the time and for me it's the ability to say no to something like you have to there is that desire and that love and that passion but you have to be okay saying no to things sometimes and whether that means losing the the action figure or losing out on something to me that's okay and you have to become kind of okay with that idea that you'll get it eventually. And so you got you to pick and choose. You got to be okay with saying no to some products. You can't, unfortunately, have it all. So, so Carlos, what, what do you got to add to that for, for curing a little bit of that uh, weight on the wallet? Yeah, man. To, uh, to kind of build on what you were saying, like I started out at a time where there wasn't a lot of this type of product coming at you. So you could actually conceivably get it all. Like... I remember when I started statue collecting, there was five DC statues and three Marvel ones. That was it. And then, like, as years went on, like, I was in a position where it's like, I have bought every single officially licensed <laughs> Batman statue because you could. Because there wasn't uh, this exorbitant amount of them. But now, like, I can't even keep up with the amount of things that are being announced, mm-hmm. let alone buy them all. And so... Yeah, I, I kind of hit the brakes pretty good. And, man, if there's ever a piece of advice for collectors out there, it's to quote Qui-Gon Jinn, there's always a bigger fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there'll be something that you want and you lust after, and it's just not in the cards for you as far as where you are financially. And I'm, like, a big proponent of having no debt or as little yeah. debt as you can and not financing this stuff with credit cards. And, like, honestly... I can think of very few things like that have not had a different version of them put out later on, a better version of them put out later on. Uh, 
something that's superior but cheaper, something that I just like infinitely more and I would have had to sell the previous version of. It, it, there's always something else, especially now where this stuff is super popular and it's always coming at you. You'll get you'll get something else down the road when when you can afford it or um, when the time is right. So yeah, don't sweat it. Yeah, like it'll always be now. there. It'll always be yeah. there. So Troy, man, what what, what would yeah. be your one thing to, to help quell some of the the worries when it comes to the wallet? You know, it's it's funny. I can't help but think, you know, because because we're, we're talking about weddings and engagements, but I, I I swear, like I remember, like my wedding day. I, I stopped into Walmart quickly. I did a, did a quick little, <laughs> quick little run-in. Uh, Thor Ragnarok just kind of came out. Fully, fully And I suited. saw Loki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't suited quite yet. I, I was on my way, though. And uh, I was like, oh, my God, there's Loki. It was it was the Ragnarok Loki. So I remember just grabbing that guy. And then, boom, okay, got my head back in the game, ready to get married. But um, <laughs> focus, man. For me, it's, it's, it's always the focus. Like um, the Power Rangers, for instance, right? For me, I was like... I'm getting the four that I like, like the original, and I'm out. And there's been so many cool new things that have come out from like the the Super 7 little minis to now even doing like the TMNT Power Rangers crossover. And they all look really cool, but it's like, like I kind of made my bed with the four or the five that I wanted. Okay, six that I wanted, <laughs> but from the original, from the original, because there's, there's two White Rangers, the White Ranger and the Green Ranger, right? So, but um, I made that focus, right? And then stay with like... um. Some of the turtle stuff, uh, the transformer stuff. I just, I just try and like focus it in. I know that the main guys for me, at least at one point, was like the Black Series, the Marvel Legends, and the um, McFarlands. But even now, that's even starting to scale, and I really am trying to just go like that one six scale route. But I just feel like the the focus on whatever it is that you do is, is kind of key. And I and I know for Big J, like it's the bounty hunters. Mm-hmm. He he loves the bounty hunters. So I think he kind of has that down. And I, I think he's kind of scaled back some of his, his Funkos too. So I think he's on the right path. Um, but that's really about it for me. I've, I've always kind of been a big, big believer in just focusing key on what kind of line or, or, or not even like team effort, but just like the kind of like character yeah. that you want or the line that you want, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I, I think he's good, man. Yeah, he, Big J has this. Yeah, he, he does. So, so there it is, guys. Yeah. It's be okay to say no. There's always a bigger fish yeah. and focus. There's, yeah. your, there's your bullet point version of that. And don't, don't, don't sweat it. I, I quite like, quite like Carlos's and Troy's there. It's, it's two that at times I'm okay with. And other times I, my focus is a little bit over there. <laughs> well, that being said, I think we should just cap the show because we're not going to get any better than Troy going on the hunt on his wedding day. No, nope. like, that's amazing. Well, <laughs> it's funny too. Uh, I am, I am C Troy's wedding. And I remember introducing myself as one of his co-hosts from <laughs> the nerd room podcast. <laughs> And I think I added up all the hours that him and I had talked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, That's man. crazy. Oh, what, what a, that was a good day, man. Good day. Oh, yeah. the best part, I got to show one more thing about Troy's wedding. You had Spider-Man, a black and yes. white Spider-Man on the wall during the right. during the dance and all that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Sam Raimi, Spider-Man 1. Yeah. Maybe even 2. It's 2. It's 2. Doc yeah. Ock, yeah. It's 2. Playing in, in black and white to kind of give it like that... that you know that cinematic look. Yeah, it was and, uh, oh, that's a blast! It was awesome. Oh man, what a night! So Gotta make it classy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on to some of the news here, and we're, we're going to broach a topic that we've talked about a lot throughout the pandemic era here, and that is the ever-evolving landscape around streaming and theatrical releases. We've seen this hybrid model really take hold 
throughout the back end of the pandemic here as we're starting to see theaters open up for now. Hopefully they stay open, but we don't know what's going to go on in the future here. And as we've seen things roll out, we've seen the consequences and the cascading implications for this streaming service and the theatrical release and what it's doing not only to the industry itself, but now what it's doing to even individual contracts and back-end payments and compensation for all of this. And I want to preface this discussion with something. Neither three of us are financial experts in any any sense of the word. And neither of us have inside knowledge of what is going on here. And so we're going to be just giving our periphery thoughts and opinions on this subject, again, without having any sort of the details beyond what is reported in things like the Hollywood Reporter or Deadline. So again, we are not experts here, but we're going to offer up some commentary. So for those that maybe have heard this on kind of cursory or through Twitter or whatever, just provide some contextualization for it. So one of the things that happened this past week was we've come out the back end of Black Widow, the biggest movie of the year. Our review is two episodes back, so make sure you go check that out. But the star of that film, Scarlett Johansson, who's been portraying this character for over a decade, is suing Disney because of the style of release that Black Widow was. So why is why is she suing Disney? So most actors and actresses have you know, these fairly large contracts with the studios to produce these films. And usually they're paid a nominal fee up front. And a lot of their salary, someone like Robert Downey Jr. had a major contract like this, is tied to how well the films do. So they're compensated on based on some percentage of the box office. So Downey was paid like $50 million for Endgame and Infinity War. And he had some heavy ties to the back end of it, which also means that the upfront production cost for his salary is quite low. He may have gotten paid $5 million as a base salary and made 10 times that because of the back end. So because of the way the film was released, Scott Johansson got her upfront payment, which was relatively substantial, $20 million as Disney states. But she's suing Disney because the back end uptick, which is usually where the majority of the money is made, was somewhat taken away because of the simultaneous release on Disney+. Plus. So the argument is made that because people went to the subscription service, myself included in that, and didn't contribute to the overall box office number, that she loses compensation on the back end. And at the time the contracts were drawn up, they were pretty blatant in saying that this was meant to be a theatrical-only release, written in 2018, 17, 16 terms, whatever it was when this was signed. And so the expectation is there is 4,500 theaters. It's wide release. It kicks around in the box office for two, three, four weeks, doing major money, and then it dwindles off from there. Pandemic era, though, this changes. Your box office is pretty low right now when you look at films like even Jungle Cruise that came out to $35 million. Black Widow did $80 million, probably would have did upwards of 120, 130 opening weekend real world, but also had a enormous drop-off on the second weekend, which heavily chews into this film. It's probably not even going to hit $300 million, and this film likely would have been a billion-dollar film or close to a billion-dollar film, real world 2019-2018. So again, the reason she's suing is because she feels that she's not getting the compensation because of the way that it was released in this day-and-date release on the streaming service. And so... This is where I'm going to open it up, guys. So hopefully I think I, I framed it all right there to help understand 
where the issue is and why Scarlett Johansson is suing. You know, Disney's come back with a a pretty harsh statement saying that she has no merit here. They fulfilled her contract and they're disappointed with her disregard for the pandemic and its effects on not only studios, but individuals and the industry itself. And so there's, there's two big sides to this. You know, there's Scarlett Johansson, which I think she has a legitimate claim in some capacity. And there's Disney is coming back at this quite harshly saying that they fulfilled the contract. And I think technically, technically they have, but there's pieces missing to this. And that might be good faith negotiations when it comes to your backend payments that WB did. So Carlos, let's, let's talk about this a little bit. What are your, what are your thoughts on this? And, you know, what does this do in the future for, for potential contracts on things like dual releases, simultaneous releases, the streaming service? Like, how does this change the game? Yeah, man. Like, kind of like we talked just prior to record. Like, I, I think it's weird that it got to this mm-hmm. point, that it became a lawsuit and that it became public, uh, particularly because they had the example for what Warner Brothers yeah. did. And Warner Brothers made their announcement, I think it was like on a Thursday, and it was like on the Monday they had sorted everything out. Because I remember being in a grocery store and this guy kind of getting me to move out of my out of his way as I'm reading the release as to how this whole thing's gonna work and everything else. So I, it was like it was like lightning fast. But basically they had the example. So what Warner Brothers did for anybody that doesn't know is they looked at every single movie and compensated the talent and paid out those contracts as though the movie was a hit. So for the case of Black Widow, they would have said, on average, these are what our movies make. Um, so we'll pay you out based on what you will assume that Black Widow pulled in the same type of money that Ragnarok. Captain Marvel made. And off we go. That's that's what you get compensated kind of thing. So in this case, it's even easier for Disney to do because the MCU is so vast mm-hmm. and they've put out so many movies, right? So... If I was Disney getting wind that there was a lawsuit coming or that she was upset, I would just take the average of all the solo films that we've done, see what the box office haul was for on the average for the solo films and just pay her out whatever her contract stipulates on that and Bob's your uncle kind of thing. But uh, yeah, like that relationship is done, Mm -hmm. like done, done, done. So I don't think she's working for them again and... Like, I I don't know. I, I think the era of the movie star was already dying. Yeah. And I think this is just, like, a massive nail in the coffin because, like, Will Smith might be our very last movie star, I think. And after that, they'll just look for unknowns. And, and I think there's merit in that. There's a lot of extremely talented people out there that just haven't been given their shot with... Um, studios relying on the same stars all the time which also you know has a, a certain draw but you know you see more people getting their shot and with the way these things are going quite frankly the ip is a star mm-hmm. scarlett johansson's not the star the black widow is a star type of thing right so maybe we see a movement away from that if we haven't already and um see where it goes but uh yeah that's kind of my piece i, I don't know yeah, it's it's interesting you say the era of the movie star is coming to an end, and there is an interesting article that had a lot from Matt Damon in about this era 
being essentially not something that our kids are going to see. It's more about mm-hmm. the IP, the brand, the character taking front and center as opposed to your Tom Cruise, your Will Smith, Stallone's, Schwarzenegger's. These guys would be front and center to sell the movie, 80s and 90s. And now it's about Miss Marvel. Now it's about She-Hulk or Hawkeye or Black Widow. It's about the character now, less so about the actor being involved. Because when you flip the side on this, what this is going to do consequently for the industry is it's going to require a lot of upfront payments. So your production takes Mm -hmm. a massive hit when you have to pay your big stars. So example, Will Smith was paid $35 million for Bright 2 on Netflix. So that weighs heavily into your production budget, which then scrapes away from other things like your CGI, other actors, actresses, these type of things. This does open the door for younger, less expensive talent to move into the spaces and fill those voids. So it does open a door. It is unfortunate, like you said, that we're seeing this publicly play out. And I think there's an issue with Disney and a good faith negotiation with Scar Johansson on the back end compensation with this and coming at it very hard and very publicly. But this isn't a good look for for Disney for for any of it, right? Like as a company, you know, you've got even Emma Stone contemplating this. You got DJ Wade into it, says he's not gonna sue and so this, this whole concept and idea that has been brought on by the pandemic, we're starting to see an ugly side of it. Something you don't want to see, one, happen to these actors. actors. Yes, they have, they have a claim. She has a claim to this. And Disney claiming a technicality, yes, sure, in court, it's probably going to hold up that technically it went to wide release, but it's not by the standards that were put up in 2019 or the expectation when the film was going to be released. And you're going to see this cascading effect that literally every contract in Hollywood is going to have to be rewritten, which you might see delays. You might see movie production shift. You might see actors departing roles. And so you're going to see a kind of a seismic shift here as to go forward, because this is going to have to be the, at a minimum, this is going to have to be a backup plan for every movie for the foreseeable future, that this could be a dual release. You don't know where this is going to go here in two, three years. Mm-hmm. So, so Troy, man, do you, do you got any anything you want yeah. to add to to the conversation here? No, I mean, summed it up pretty well. I mean, Dis- Disney's still a little little shitty, yeah. I'd say for <laughs> sure how they went about this. You I mean how do you do your girl like that? I mean, Scarlett Joe has been your your Marvel girl since Iron Man two. You know, she's two time Oscar nominee. Like, she's a powerhouse. I mean, I know, like, if you look at her big box office draws outside of like the Disney brand, sure, they're not huge bangers. But when it comes to raw talent, when it comes to name brand, that that's that's the girl right there. So it is. I, I still think it is a little whack of what Disney's done. But I mean, we've seen this kind of stuff happen before, right? When you look at the music industry alone, like artists are not making nowhere near as much money as they used to. You know, like these guys used to get like these big multi million dollar music videos mm-hmm. to do. Whereas now, scaled back, you go on YouTube, you look at these videos; they're basically just lyrics with artists. You know, so um, basically, they make most of their money off live performances. So with these guys here, when it comes into the movie industry, I think definitely these contracts are going to be written completely different. I think um, the celebrities, the superstars themselves, their money is going to be drawn down quite quite a bit as opposed to what it used to be. I don't think they're even going to get these deals anymore. I think it'll probably be like maybe a straight up pay for whatever film it is you're doing. And if they don't like it, well, I mean, like we said, we're living in a day and age now where it's like it's not the name brand that draws you to the theater anymore. It's, well... I was going to say Luke Skywalker, but 
depends which Luke Skywalker we're talking about. <laughs> but I mean, it's um, it's the Captain America, right? We've already gone over this, so it's the it's the super it's the it's the character of the film that draws you to the audience or draws the audience to the to the theaters or or the story that they're telling. So I feel like um, there's going to be a hit across the board, and you've kind of seen a shift because I mean, look at. Look at Ryan Johnson, like his uh, his production company now, right? What he's getting paid to do that um, Knives Out, Knives Out too with Netflix, like that's a huge deal that he's cracked. Um, who's the other one? Ryan Coogler, I think he has a huge deal now with Disney. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of gone the way of the director more so than the actor. Yeah, when mm-hmm. it comes to like these big time movie deals, because it's the story that they're telling brings uh, brings brings the audience. So I think we're going to see a big shift, and the contracts are going to be written completely different than what they are right now Hmm. it's kind of unfortunate but at the same time it's kind of we were about to get here because the movie industry has taken such a huge hit that they got to cut got to cut cut got to cut costs costs somewhere right Mm -hmm. along the line and that's where it's going to be and we're seeing it as through the celebrities eyes but you know this is also going across the board for other production crew members as well too like don't get it twisted it's not just scarlet joe that's getting hit here no it goes down the line, right? So yeah, and like yeah, to, to to frame this up as we kind of transition out here, it we're seeing this through a particular lens, right? Like we're seeing this through the available information, and so this what we're bringing and speculating here is by no means gospel, right? This is what we're mm-hmm. seeing. You know, we all have a bit of business background. We've seen things, we've seen contracts develop, and all these type of things, but it, it's it's an evolving piece of the pandemic right it's an evolving piece of this huge story that we've been telling over the past 18 months when it comes to the streaming service and the theatrical release windows you know we started these conversations about talking about the death of the theatrical experience and we've evolved this conversation so far in the last 18 months that we're now seeing actually the consequences of the back end of that transition and so i find it fascinating on how we've kind of chronicled this throughout the the pandemic inside of the podcast here where we started with yeah let's let's do this it's easy peasy let's get over and get everything on streaming service to now seeing the back end of it on things that you and i never really considered as to what the sort of consequences are for for doing this we see this as a a simple flip of the switch instead of putting a theater just just upload it to to disney plus and last week or a week or two ago we talked about you know the, the fall of black widow and the huge drop that it saw and the pirating of that movie was was huge and this is being reflected in this lawsuit so there's lots to learn here there's lots for us to to see and again this is going to be evolving over time and i'm sure we'll see more about this and and its overall effects but on the positive side of this thing what we're seeing coming out of this is maybe an open door for for new actors new actresses and one of them being for a dc film here and that's blue beetle now this is a character i have zero idea i've never read the blue beetle but we got a a casting news for this and we knew this movie was was pushing forward and we've got excuse me if i if i do say this wrong but zolo maradun so he is best known for his work as the main character the main child character in cobra kai his name escapes me there but he's cast as miguel miguel thank you fantastic kid fantastic i love that show by the way if you're not watching cobra kai I think they're filming season four, or at least it's it's ready to come out in the not too distant future. And it, they've done fantastic work with that. So tune into that, and you get a good look as to what your or who your Blue Beetle is going to be. So so Carlos, talk to me about Blue Beetle here. Talk to me about this casting, and and your thoughts on on seeing this this kid take this role, this leading man role 
inside of another big and diverse DCU production. Yeah, man, I'm stoked for this. Like, I I love Cobra Kai as well. Like, I don't binge anything, mm-hmm. but the Cobra Kai season three, yeah. that thing was wrapped <laughs> was. in a day. <laughs> I just couldn't stop watching it, and he's a big part of that. So, yeah, I'm excited to see Zolo in the in the role and. Quite frankly, the thing that really sold me was they announced it and you just see how exuberant this kid is and he's there, he's with Walter Amada and his representation and the, a few of the other guys in the DC Brain Trust and just these huge grins and then you see him the next day and he's posting on social media, he's d- making TikTok videos from inside a Suicide Squad screening <laughs> and he's got like his mask on and stuff so he's in like a regular theater but he's just like i can't believe i'm gonna be a superhero i get to join these guys kind of thing and then uh like cully hamner who created the jamie reyes version of blue beetle um he actually tweeted out today pictures of his original designs for jamie reyes and he looks exactly like the actor like it's uncanny and it's weird because from the time of those original sketches to when the character first appeared, they actually tweaked his look and he doesn't look quite the same. But if you look at those original sketches and I actually retweeted his post so you can find him in my Twitter feed. um, It's as though he was drawing this actor when he was designing the character. It's pretty cool. So yeah, I'm excited and just his, his excitement and him and Leslie Grace uh, complimenting each Mm -hmm. other and, you know, chucking, let's go save the world out. Like it, it's exciting times for DC. It's crazy, man. Like we're here talking about like weird stuff happening with Disney and Marvel. And we're talking about hype casting and fresh movies on the DC side of the house. It's bizarro world, man. It's bizarro world. It is. It is <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and we, we spoke about Leslie Grace in quite a bit of detail over with our, our boys at Vigilante 939 on the Loki live stream. And all that, but yeah, they, they've been coming at us with all these castings of, of new and exciting actors and actresses. And like you said, that that reflection of them just being fangirls and fanboys the same way we are, but now they're put into and thrust into the limelight here with these these characters and and the love and passion that they're going to be putting into them. I think is so cool. I love it. Now, Troy, you're, you're not. I don't think you've watched yeah. Cobra Kai because I think in the DM you're asking if he's any good and like i will say that i think that the character of miguel i don't again i don't know blue beetle that well but he's definitely got to do something a little different than what we get with miguel um for for blue beetle but it's there man he's got a solid foundation inside of him yeah no that's cool because i'm only familiar with uh obviously the original karate kid but i've heard nothing but good things about cobra kai like i it's on netflix now right because it started off as a youtube red Mm -hmm. and now it's it's all netflix yeah so uh no i definitely gotta check that out but man i'm just excited that uh jamie uh is it jamie uh reyes yeah that's that's the character right um like the second blue beetle i'm really excited that he's getting like his own movie like this is totally school or cool like i I feel a little bad for grabs because the the og blue beetle that's his guy but i think it's really neat much like uh the miles morales treatment when you can just boom give like your newer character and i know jamie's not that new as miles but to kind of skip like the main guy and go right after like your second in lead character uh, superhero to uh, give him his own live action film. Like that's huge, man. And I think that's going to be a cool thing to uh, for, for the next generation of heroes, uh, kids, you know, looking up to this, because I think with DC, when it comes to the movies, we only have, well, I guess we just have Shazam. That's kind of like that kid kind of friendly mm. 
movie, right? Everything else has been like your your traditional Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman. So I think this is really neat, man. I'm I'm excited to see what the suit's gonna look like because his suit is a lot different, a little more techy. It's it almost works like a symbiote kind of, right? I'm going it off is, of like the well, Brave and the Bold. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I remember him through. Yeah, it is symbiote. Yeah. Okay. So that's cool, man. Um. Yeah, all, 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 I'm excited. I, but like I said, I don't know anything what this character or this actor is like. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes yeah. down. It, it's, just, yeah. it's such a crazy time right now. Like getting things on, on both sides of the fence here. Your Kate Bishops, your Miss Marvels, you know, Young Blue Beetle. We've got back. Like it's back. It's so crazy right now. Well, the new, well, the Miss Marvel, the new, the new yes. costume. Shoot. <laughs> like that concept art. Like. I'm I'm blown away. I think Kamala looks yeah. wicked. Like if she's gonna look like that in live action, give that to me. Like that costume, it's so comic accurate because the MCU's doing a great job of like um incorporating like the all new, all different costumes mm-hmm. from that era and bringing it live action, like uh Captain America's Sam Wilson. And now we're getting this. I'm sure Ruby Williams costume will be yeah. pretty similar to like the Ironheart. But I think Miss Marvel just looks. She has this weird thing going on with that gauntlet, like this power gauntlet going on, which I know is not comic accurate. But I thought her design choice just looked really mm-hmm. cool in that concept piece. No, she looked perfect, and I I liked like the one revision that they made was they took away her boots and gave her like the high top yeah. runners, and I was like, yeah. that's totally an upgrade for the look. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wild time, man! Wild time with all, all this yeah. casting, everything that is, is coming out and being put in front of us. One of those things that's going to be sitting in front of us at some point in the fall, we don't, I maybe don't exactly have a release date anymore, is Venom, Let There Be Connage, the follow-up to the Venom film that we reviewed a couple years ago, guys. Now, we talked about trailer number one, and it, it kind of souring our expectations a bit for what Venom was going to be. And I went back and re-listened to a little bit of that episode, and you know, our basic feedback is that it feels like they shot them back to back they made the same movie twice we've seen the symbiote versus symbiote thing before and to me this trailer it does a little better i kind of like the story and the score that's built into the trailer it does a bit of work evolving the character of carnage as being a big threat for venom but still i don't know i i don't i want to hear from you guys here i'm gonna I'm going to put my host hat back on here and, and throw it to you first. So, so Troy, we don't, we don't have Sanjay here yeah. to, to temper no. myself <laughs> and potentially <laughs> Carlos here. Are you going to play that role? What are, what are your thoughts here on, on Venom? Let there be carnage. You know what? Um, <laughs> I, I really didn't care much for the first Venom film and I've never been mm. the biggest Venom guy. Um, but you know what? And the first trailer I didn't like at all. But this trailer, I don't know if I'm just now finally just kind of thrown in the towel. And I'm like, sure, <laughs> give me whatever kind of carnage you're going to give me. I got to say, I was I was laughing. Like, whatever humor that was, um, Venom kind of backing down from carnage like when he's too. like, oh, no, there's a red one. Like, that actually made me chuckle quite a bit. I've, I've finally grown to kind of like Venom's voice. Um, I think carnage is going to play a massive role in this film. Watching this trailer, I'm like, you know what? I don't think he's just going to be like your big bad. He's not going to be like your Dane DeHaan that kind of slowly becomes Green Goblin and he pops up at the end. I feel like it's going to be like, obviously, mostly Tom Hardy. But I think we're going to get a big portion of uh, Woody Harrelson throughout this film. And I like his look. is a lot better. Like, the wig looks yeah, way better. The red <laughs> looks better. But for me, the highlight, and Carlos kind of spoiled it for me, but it's cool. The design of Carnage. 
the designer Carnage looks. I, I I dig it. I think he looks really good. He looks better than Venom. He's very comic accurate. Um, not obviously like this big like weird looking Venom thing. He's kind of like that slender. Car- he just looks like he's straight off the pages, and I was actually really impressed with it. So, am I like super excited for this film? No, but I'm starting to warm up to mm-hmm. it. I gotta say, I'm starting to warm up to it, and I think it's just because I'm like, you know what it is? Like, this movie's not gonna change the way I want to be, right? Like, I'm, it's not gonna be the movie I want. So obviously, I just gotta go on with like, this is what they set, this is the tone, this is who they have. Tom Hardy's, you know, he's he's I don't know what he's, he's doing there. in this film. He's I don't know there. what he's doing the first. He's there. He's there, right? <laughs> So um, I, I'm in for it. I got to say, this trailer worked for me a little bit more. I still think it's a little silly. I think I just turned off my brain. My expectations are a lot lower. But there are some things I got to say. I was laughing. I was I was, I was, was jiving with it, man. It, it, your your yeah. slight review or your, your short review of that trailer is strikingly similar to the, the points I wrote down here. Is that <laughs> at this point, I'm the same way. This is going to be a movie I go in and watch once and probably never yeah. think about it again after our review. And... You know, when I look at it, I agree with you. The carnage looks good. When it's just carnage yeah. on screen, it looks good. Mm. I like the scene where he's in the jail cell and he's walking down. He's getting shot at. And I like the framing of this giant this giant prison is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But everything, you know, Woody Harrelson seems very out of place to me in this. It's again, like we talked moments ago about the actor versus the character. And to me, the actor mm. is just screaming through on this. I can see Woody Harrelson. I can't see yeah. Cletus Cast. I just that's all I see, and I see him hamming it up in this. And so I, I I'm disconnecting the two characters there. So when I see Carnage, I'm like, this is cool. But some yeah. of the other stuff, the humor is slightly off, and it might be Tom Hardy's delivery, but it's also when Venom comes out of him. I find that really weird. Like the effect yeah, almost. Yeah, the effect almost it yeah. seems like i don't know it just doesn't it's not fluid enough for me mm. like it's like these you know have you ever seen the episode of the office when michael scott comes with a thing taped to his head like this he's gonna costume and he's got another head taped to his head it looks like that to me <laughs> it looks like they paper mache a thing and it comes anyways but it's I, i'm kind of there too troy that yeah I, i'm not it's, sure it is what it is it's gonna be a movie <laughs> yeah. that we all see Probably never think too much again, unless there's some massive tease at the end and Holland shows up. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, Carlos, Venom, man, he, he's one of your dudes. You've said it time and time again. Yeah. You've got him on your body. What we're seeing on screen yeah. here, what, what, does this, what does this do for you? To be honest, like we're all on the same page. And I, I actually kind of love the jokey version of Venom that they have in the movies. Like, I... I I dig him like he's he's fine, but it's like they needed to at least have Eddie be kind of grounded and like the thing with the symbiote or when Venom is at his best, the two of them need each other. Mm -hmm. Venom Mm -hmm. needs Eddie and Eddie needs Venom. But here they're just kind of like Laurel and Hardy all the time. (laughs) It's like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I agree with you on Woody like sure it was a cool big name casting at the time, but in retrospect. He plays too old yes. against Tom Hardy's mm. Eddie Brock, and he doesn't really fit that Cletus Cassidy mold. Like most glaringly when he's uh, in the convenience store and assaulting Mrs. Chen, mm-hmm. and he just looks so awkward because he's he's obviously trying to play somebody who's twenty five to thirty five, but it's like 
I got the Robert De Niro and the Irishman thing going all all over oh, again because no. oh, he's no. like all stiff and I don't know. It was just weird. When he doesn't play menacing, even, right? Like he's not like he's meant to be like your serial killer, like you're someone that's but like yeah, like snaky twisted and, and sinister. Yeah, you don't get that at all off him. Yeah, like Carnage looks cool. They did a great mm. job of that, but it's like the the things that I had a problem with in the in the trailer and where they're going with it is the fundamental core of issue with the Venom movies is that you didn't put the work in to get where you need to be. So now you're just kind of making it as you go. So it's like, in what circumstance would Eddie Brock be interviewing this serial killer with like no guards or no protection around him and then have his hands on these bars to get bitten it's like what well, really like and maybe there's more to the story where Cletus runs into a symbiote before. Yeah, that was weird too. But it was something. It's Tom Hardy's like, please no, don't bite my hand. Like it, he yeah. he didn't put up a fight yeah. at all to get his hand in it. Like if some no. if some dude grabs your hand through a bar, you're not just gonna be like, oh no, like <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're Bane, man, you'd be like fighting back and stuff, and it's just like weird, and it's just you, you couldn't figure out a better way to get. Cletus and Tom together in a jail cell so that the whole symbiote exchange could happen. Because in the comics, it's like Venom basically has a baby <laughs> and it bonds with Cletus Cassidy. So there's no scenario where Eddie gets arrested and I don't know. Well, they've already said maybe they're sharing a jail cell for a minute or two and that's all you need to do. They've set know. the it's precedence weird. for multiple symbiotes already, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's already out there. And so, like, does it does it need? I guess you want maybe more of that inherent link between Venom and Carnage. Yeah, but yeah, that that but seems again. Weird. It goes back to not putting in the work, right? Mm, yeah. you, you just go about it slowly, and you're in a circumstance too now where it's like, well, you've had big CGI symbiotes fighting yes. each other already once. Mm. Now we're going to be doing that again in a second Venom. movie. So it doesn't feel special, but, like. No. Yeah, no, I but do that... have to admit, man, when Venom like. <laughs> runs away from Carnage when he first yes. sees him. Like, man, I'm in tears laughing every time when he, like, drops the S-bomb and it's a red one. Yeah. yeah. It, it kills me. I like that. That and when he slaps the fiance yeah. at the end. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. And I I like Slappy Venom. Like, I one of my favorite panels in comics ever is when he teams up with Spider-Man for the very first time and Peter is just, like, in knots and he doesn't know how to reconcile what's happening and he's like really unsure and he feels like he's hanging out there and venom is swinging behind him and they just have him singing strangers in the night (laughs) as he's swinging along after you have like half a page of like peter's internal torment and then it's like venom in this panel singing strangers in the night like i I don't know I, i i love that kind of stuff so the, I'm not the guy that needs the grim and gritty, dark, eating people, eviscerating venom, but uh, I, I need something other than this movie too. So we'll see. So, so I was wondering with you guys, like, what do you think? Like, if this movie just kills it, knocks it out of the park, uh, box office wise, and they go ahead and they make a third one, where where do you go? Like, I mean, it's hard to say, obviously, because we haven't seen this film. But like, who would be the next big bad you put in this in this in this franchise for Venom? Knowing the, the the rights too with Marvel, right? Like, there's a lot of current villains in the comics, but I would believe they would belong to Marvel, right? Disney, not not Sony. 
So I wonder, like, who would be next? You have to bring in your Spider-Man. Like, I, I, like, I think Sony for your next Venom film or Venom, mm-hmm. where he's present at least. You gotta, you gotta bring in your Spider-Man, in my opinion. Right. Right. Like, I. And they, that'd be his villain, essentially. Well, I think almost because they've they've built him as an anti-hero, right? Venom. Right. And yeah. this goes to your comment about not going slow, Carlos. Like, mm-hmm. I think by the end of this film, he's going to be as close to a hero as he can get while eating people still. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're still kind of stuck and don't know where to go because of the rights and whatnot, I think they end up with null. Like, honestly, that's the trajectory that they're on. Mm-hmm. And could they do that, going... though? They could use him? I think so. Like, my yeah. understanding is that everything Spider-Man, and there could be a drop dead date, too. So that's the other thing. So, oh, okay. like, because Null is a new character, right? So right. he was created after that contract was written. But basically, everything in Spider-Man and Spider-Man's world is up for Sony to use. So if they right. wanted to, they could have him fight their own version of the Vulture if they wanted. Yeah. And there's nothing right that Disney could do. I, I don't think that's going to happen. But... um yeah, any Spidey big bad that existed, well, let's say before 2002 when the Rami Spider-Man mm-hmm. contract was signed, right, mm. would be up for grabs. You could, right. you could have him fight Norman Osborn and Otto Octavius. <laughs> Troy would love that. I, I would buy the ticket just so I could sit and watch your reactions to how that whole thing goes down. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it, like, I, it depends on oh, what man. where they go with Spider-Man in their next steps, right? Because you can see the trajectory that they're almost taking him on to maybe fill a bit of the Spider-Man void inside of the Sony universe. But now that maybe a Spider-Man is coming back or they're bringing someone new or, I don't know, they bring in Miles or something, like, to me, they have to start complementing this universe and maybe they will get there inside of Leather Derby Carnage. We're starting to see what road they're starting to lay for themselves. But if you want to progress this character, because I I personally don't think this thing is going to light the world on fire especially in the atmosphere that we're pretend potentially going to be seeing this released in. Mm. We may not even like, like I think we were talking before, like they've taken the release date off of it, right? It's fall now. And so we don't even have an exact date as to when it's going to come. Is this going to get delayed because of the surging pandemic everywhere? So who knows? Right. And this, this movie might not see a full fledged release either. I, I guess Sony's put a hard line in the sand, but who knows? How long can they sit on this? Yeah, I think by the time No Way Home comes and goes, there will be a Spider-Man mm-hmm. within Agreed. Sony's universe, be it Andrew, Toby, Tom Holland, or some new guy, mm-hmm. which wouldn't be terrible no. either. So Miles, man, they... I, I think they'll be. Sit, to me, that no, I you, you got to do Miles. Justice. I think I agree. Just you build have them to, slowly, but it is it's just this low hanging fruit that I'm so surprised. No one like Sony, why they haven't <laughs> plucked that and started to build out Miles Morales films? I will never know. Yeah, maybe to just not walk on Spider Verse, right? Mm. I guess, but to me, that's like your next humongous franchise. If you wanted something on your own, that's the way to go, right? Yeah, and yeah. I wonder if they're only allowed to have one Spider-Man, like in that contract between Disney and Sony. Like you can only have one live-action Spider-Man, because I guess then they could double dip, right? So if you could have such have like a Toby universe here and a mm-hmm. Spider-Man MCU, Disney's probably like, no, <laughs> like no way, we're not we're not shaking hands on that one. We want our Spider-Man to be the Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. 
that's the only thing I would imagine. Also, yeah, because if not, then why not? Like, why would we not have a Miles by now? A live action Miles? Especially after the success of uh, Into the Spider-Verse? There, there must be some contract that says something funny. Has to be. Cause Has it, to be. I don't know. I just don't think Sony's that smart, to be it honest is, with is you. Like, look how like they've handled all this stuff. The most popular <laughs> character that's never been talked about, like, outside of the reference inside of Homecoming, right? Like, the fact that yeah. no one's even, like, mentioned this character. Like, yeah, we're, we're thinking about doing, we're developing, like, we're getting Blue Beetle, we're getting She-Hulk, we're getting all these characters, and no one's talking <laughs> about Miles Morales? Like, yeah. to me, it's like this huge red herring in that world, that there's something that's keeping the lid on that character. It's weird, because I thought for sure in Far From Home, we would have either seen Donald pop mm-hmm. up again, mm-hmm. just to have some of that Morales DNA. You know, so I mean, if he's not mentioned in um, No Way Home, something's really weird. Yeah, or maybe he's introduced yeah. in No Way Home, and he's just Spider Man, awesome. and we don't do the origin or anything like that. We just have Miles Morales is that Spider Man that shows up, and then they can spit him out on the other side. And but then that goes again, like doing your character justice. Like I think he deserves, like if any character deserves a proper origin, it's probably yeah. that character, right? Yeah, man. But we're just we're literally talking about Venom two. So yeah. the same people that did that movie <laughs> yeah. and the first one yes. are, are handling But, but Venom stuff 2, right to now. be honest, I mean, you know, to answer my own question, I guess to spin him out for his third film, I mean, we know that we have, was it Aaron Taylor Johnson playing Craven, mm-hmm. And then we have Morbius by Jared Leto. Like, could Venom essentially be their Spider-Man? Like, like Craven will hunt Venom down. Morbius will encounter Venom. Uh, Doc Ock. Well, you know what I mean? Like, that will be the Spider-Man that is essentially fighting the Sinister Six in the Sony realm. And the real Spider-Man MCU is the one Tom Holland. Like, yeah. like essentially, like, Venom would be, like, the, the Miles. Yeah. He would be your Spider-Gwen. He would be the guy to fill in the shoes for the Sony world, right? I, I could see them doing it. I don't think it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, they made that money, right? That first film. Like, I didn't like it, but it made money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It got them, it got them so a sequel. And it got them, got them a sequel, little uh, yeah. franchise. I, to me, it all yeah. comes down to what happens in these next few films with Sony, and No Way yeah. Home being probably the most important one. Yeah, this is setting up the, yeah. what is the next steps for that universe, right? I, I dollars to donuts that part of this whole thing was Sony getting their universe put right yeah. by Marvel Studios. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So there'll be. Avi yeah, Rod wrote that in there. there. Please fix this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Kevin, you know, if you're going to use our Spider-Man, uh, you best uh, give us a little something. That's my, my favorite thing when Avi does the, the cameo on the podcast. <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on to our last topic for this week. And it is The Suicide Squad debuting in theaters and on HBO Max this weekend, correct? I didn't get that wrong. It's 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 here, yeah. right? It's It's coming. It'll be on our doorsteps come the release of this podcast when this yeah when this record drops i'll be heading to the theater that night yeah brilliant brilliant so the reception for this film is monumental so we've got friends vigilante boys being one of them that have seen this film shed high praise on it and we've also seen the rotten tomatoes score so again like we always say it's a barometer it's a temperature of how the critics are feeling roughly it doesn't really reflect the audience as much but it gives us an idea of the film structure what the director's done the narrative the story all this this film has 96 percent 
on Rotten Tomatoes after over 100 reviews, which is nearly unprecedented when it comes to a comic book movie film or just a film in general. (laughs) So (laughs) the praise is, like I said, it's huge for this film. They're everything from it's emotional, it does the characters justice, everyone's a standout. James Gunn had the ability to run with this film and he could put together what is sounding to be like a true masterpiece inside of the genre and even maybe beyond that with a ragtag bunch of characters that are relatively unknown. So it's great to see that there's all this great reception going into the film. It always gives you a little bit of a boost. And we've always been pretty hyped on this. You know, James Gunn coming up, Guardians, everything he's done in the past speaks volumes for what this potentially could be and will be likely. Characters like Peacemaker coming in, Idris Elbow dropping into this, Harley Quinn picking up from the threads of her previous iterations or previous appearances as Harley Quinn. Like, th- this is this is shaping up to be quite an experience. So, Carlos, we're a couple days out from, from seeing this. Well, what's your temperature like on the Suicide Squad in light of all this positive reviews and in light of this being kind of the next big comic book movie of 2021? Man. I'm a DC guy, DC diehard. I am a comic book fan. I'm a lover of comic book movies. I absorb all this stuff and embrace it all from Halle Berry Catwoman to Captain Marvel. Give it to me. I'll give it all a try. Go in wanting to love it and embrace it all. But man, if you had told me that DC was going to put out a movie that features not only King Shark, but Starro the Conqueror, and then that movie is going to be reviewed by at least 100 critics <laughs> who have been cold on DC movies in the past. And that 96% of them said, go see this movie. It's one of the best things I've ever seen. I would have called you a liar, yeah. man. Like, well, What universe? We are in the Bizarro universe. There's a movie with Starro <laughs> the Conqueror that critics are raving about. And every single person in my timeline, is like, you have to see this yesterday. It is the best thing put to screen. So, man, I I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier. Like, DC needed a win. And, like, looking at the two DC movies coming out this year, if you asked me to pick which one would be universally embraced and beloved and which one would come up short, I would have said it was going to be Wonder Woman 84. And... Yeah, we all know how I felt about that movie, and I was hyped for it. And, uh, man, that the Suicide Squad is lighting the world on fire brings me so much joy. Like, I, man, I, I just, I'm beyond belief, actually, at the reception of this movie. And just, just the goodwill that it's injected into the DC brand. And it sounds like James Gunn has big plans with the company going forward, so... Yeah, man, I'm I am stoked and so hyped about uh, what I'm hearing and seeing. Starro, the, that's all I gotta say. Starro. Yeah, man, it is. It's unbelievable. Like like you said, Starro. There it is. That's all you have to say. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 through all this, James Gunn has has elevated to another level again. Like this guy is a creative, as a director, as someone that that works with his talent in such a way that everyone walking off that set is so excited to, to have been a part of 
this production, it, it makes you want to see it even more because the chemistry will be palpable through the actors and actresses and the portrayal and the relationships mm-hmm. you develop inside of that film. The hardest part about this film is making you care about the characters that they're going to kill at some point and doing it very, very quick. That's going to be hard. You, you're not, you're going to want these characters to kick around. And if all of a sudden they start dying, you need to have that attachment to them. And so there's a lot of work to do there. So, so Troy, James Gunn, The Suicide Squad, this being yeah. kind of the, the centerpiece of the comic book movie releases inside of 2021, shoulder to shoulder with Black Widow. Is this expected for you? And what's your anticipation level going into this week's viewing of The Suicide Squad? Oh, this is a complete flip of uh, my expectations. I I really didn't have any um, excitement for this film. I'm still coming off of that horrible last one in what 2016 was yeah. it the original one <laughs> um and i haven't really been i know like I'm, i've been the odd one like the trailers haven't really done anything for me i'm not a john cena believer by any means when it comes to his acting ability. he's my new dj but uh that's your <laughs> oh shoot that's your guy um but you know i think i was talking to sunny after hearing all the hype for this film and the ratings i'm like dude like Let's go. Like, I, I got to see this film. I got to see this film. Um, you know, I'll judge on my own merit once I do see it. But uh, as of right now, man, I'm pretty excited. Idris is my guy. Um, and I really do like Margot Rob- Robbie in that role. And it'll be neat to see how what uh, what she can do with this director this mm-hmm. time around. Because James Gunn, he's a character director, right? So I cannot wait to see what he's going to do with this ensemble of people. But um, yeah, man, I'm just I'm I'm ready to do this. I can't wait to see this this film. I'm 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 kind of hyped. Oh. I'm kind of hyped. I'm trying to lower it though because I don't want it to ruin my expectations. But right now, I'm 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 feeling it. I'm I'm riding that wave. Um, it's just so crazy to me. Like out of all the films, Suicide Squad is the one that is like blowing yeah. up. Like never thought in a million years. Never. Well, and the thing too with when it comes to expectation is is we sometimes try to to dampen them a little or cut them short because we don't want to go in with these sky high expectations and then you feel let down. The thing with my expectations here is I'm super hyped about it, but I literally have no idea what's going to happen in this film. I think going into yeah. a Marvel film, a Black Widow film, or whatever, like for your expectations expectations to be sky high, there has to be certain things that happen inside of that. You know, the movie has to hit in a certain way, grab your emotions, big cameos, big Marvel references. This one here, it's a it's a dog's breakfast. Like I, I I'm hyped for the fact that I literally have no idea what's going on. Like not a clue. Like I get the general concept. It's Suicide Squad, they're gonna go fight something big. But like that's it. And I have a feeling it's just gonna be hilarious. It's gonna it's gonna draw on so much and we have so many Easter eggs for for those of you that have a deep connection to the Ostrander run of the, of Suicide Squad and what he's doing there because he's so connected to the source material. So it's going to be a cool experience, I think, on many levels for many different people. I think your your audiences coming into it are going to have fun. Your comic book people are going to appreciate it. And those guys like us that are embroiled in fandom are going to have a lot of fun as well. Now, to kind of as we get to, to wrapping this up and that excitement builds for next week's review, we got to do some predictions here. And our boys over at Vigilante 939, I want to throw them a huge shout out. They did their, their death pool, which I entered, and I'm going to win. Sorry, Emmett, I've already won. So you take a backseat, <laughs> I get my, my first choice prize here. But I, I want to know from, from your perspective here, let, let's throw our predictions on the table. This is called The Suicide Squad. 
And my expectation from James Gunn is there's going to be some pretty fantastical deaths inside of this film. And he's going to have fun with the source material. He's going to have fun with the base concept of the Suicide Squad. I don't think it was really used that well in the air version. I don't think it was leveraged in the way it could have been. And so, so Carlos, who, who's going to die in this? And, and is James Gunn going to use the Suicide Squad concept to, to the betterments of the film? Oh, yeah, man. I think more than half yeah. of those guys are not coming back from this mission. So I think there's going to be a pile of deaths in it. Um, so I won't go through them all. But my big prediction as far as like those uh, more marquee characters, I'm going to say Captain Boomerang mm-hmm. doesn't make it out. And, yeah. you know, that, that role has been good to Jai Courtney because uh, Jai Courtney is Jai Courtney. And I like Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang, but I think this is the last time that we see him. So that that's my big prediction as to uh, who doesn't make it out. And yeah, I think he's going to use that concept in spades. Yeah. I I wouldn't be surprised if we see one of them get capped before they even leave uh, the Argus facility. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Troy, man, man, look, yeah. Throw throw your prediction out there. Who who's gonna die? How many? Do, how many? How many do we get? However many you think. Like, you can throw half oh. the characters. You can throw maybe your big prediction. Who, okay. who's, who's not departing this film? Well, yeah, I'm going with Carlos, what he said. I think Jai Courtney for sure, because, I mean, he's part of the original cast. But out of those original cast members, one of them have to bite the bullet. It's between Joel Kinnaman mm. and Jai Courtney, but I'm going Captain Boomerang. Uh, I'm going Pete Davidson. Yeah, which I already, which already uh, I'm upset about. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie, but I'm already upset about that. You're so. <laughs> I think Rucker uh, is out. Oh, he's. I think for, for sure. Sure, he's done. One thousand percent, Savon is going. Like him and yeah. Gunn are good friends, and I have had this in my mind since he was cast that he's going yeah. to kill him in this wild, crazy way, like very, very quickly. <laughs> yeah, he's he's done. Those those are the ones I got so far right now. I'd yeah. say. Yeah, what, what, what do you can you say yours or, or... yeah yeah well I think because I think oh, it, you I can. Think okay. Deadpool is done, um, but I said Savant okay. for sure is going. Whoever Nathan Fillion's yeah. character is is out as well. Oh He's yeah, very gone. Yeah. Um, Fluva, yeah. the YouTube star who plays Javelin, I think. I th- yeah. I think oh yeah. He's gone for sure. Who else did I have on there? Or uh, his his Weasel? brother Weasel? Yeah, I had uh, yeah. Yeah, James Gunn's Rashawn Gunn who who portrays Weasel. Stepping into that um, motion capture suit again, I think he's for sure gone. <laughs> I can't remember who my fifth was though. I didn't. I didn't have anyone that was like, "Whoa, big shocker!" Which I think there's going to be one of those. And um, I was, as you guys were saying, Jai Courtney. That that feels like the right one. I was leaning a bit more towards Joel Kinnaman as this conversation yeah. was was evolving and developing. That you know, can they take Rick Flag out of the Suicide Squad? Maybe that there has to be some big emotional death i think and it's got to be someone that we spent a bit of time with and it's surely not going to be but margot robbie it's not gonna be john cena it's not going to be idris elba although it might be yeah it could be him could be cena too like peacemaker could be a prequel yeah he's been right, and maybe right. maybe it is because he's been strutting around in that costume maybe he just doesn't want to take it off <laughs> like all the premieres all the the talk show he's always got the costume on yeah one well, in the suicide squad book right now um, Rick Flagg was meant to be dead or they think mm-hmm. he's dead but he's actually 
on lockdown somewhere that Amanda Waller has him under under lock and key. And Peacemaker is actually the leader of the oh, Suicide Squad. It's a cool book, actually. If anybody wants to catch up, I think there are only three issues in, but it's neat. Like Peacemaker is kind of the number one guy, and you got characters like Nocturna in there, some old school Batman villains, and um, they just broke the talent out of Arkham Asylum, so they've got no way. Yeah, they got Marsh on the team and Superboy, but the Connor uh, Connor Kent version is the one who's kind of under under thumb by Amanda Waller. Because he's a man out of place. So it's a cool book. It's a really cool book. I didn't know what to expect. And I love the Tom Taylor run that preceded it. So it had pretty uh, pretty lofty heights to reach to match my hype for that book. But uh, yeah, it's good. And I I sense that it feels a bit like where the movie's going to go. Mm-hmm. So plug for the comics. Seeing as, uh, we've been doing the comic thing all show this week. Wicked. All right. Well, the last thing, I guess, is box office. So... We don't have to put a number to it, but I do have one question. Will this be the biggest comic book movie of the year? Will this eclipse the 80 million that Black Widow raked in during that first weekend? Let's just talk opening weekend here. So, so Carlos, will this be the biggest comic book movie of the year? Because I I don't think Shang-Chi is going to eclipse that Black Widow if we're released in a similar style. Let's say, you know, we're still kind of weird pandemic. We're... I guess they're not getting dual release, but you have to remember this is one of the last comic book movie films, if not the last comic book movie film, that's getting a hybrid release for twenty. Is Eternals coming out? Sorry. Is Eternals coming out? Yeah, but it's theatrical. Only, only theatrical. theatrical. Shang Chi's only theatrical, oh. and No Way Home is meant to be only theatrical. Now that could oh. change, but Widow and this technically have a similar release structure. So, does it do better than Widow at the theatrical box office? No, not even close. I'd be shocked if it does half. Like, it's got so many factors to overcome that, uh, honestly, with this movie, the biggest uh, accomplishment that it could have is not going to be in the box office. It's going to be with uh, showing people the potential Mm -hmm. of the DC brand and redeeming not only the Suicide Squad, but just uh, DC as a whole. And it's a bit of a flag for the new management of... Uh, DC films kind of thing in Walter Amada because it's one of the first films that he was the the head of this that wing of Warner Brothers for the entire time so yeah I don't think it does half like it'll have to overcome the stink of the first movie right and the fact that they have essentially the same name doesn't help the R rating doesn't Mm -hmm. help and uh, it's on HBO Max day and date without any extra cost so with Black Widow, if you were a single person who had Disney Plus, it's conceivably cheaper to go to the theater to watch it, kind of thing. So, uh, whereas with this, if you have yeah, HBO I guess Max that's the that's the difference, play. right? Is that in the states at least it's free. Up here, we have to pay for it still, correct? <laughs> yeah, up here it, it's on premium VOD, which is nice that they did that, considering theaters are open right across the country. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's nice it's... that you don't have to pay for a privilege to, uh, you know, rent another movie from the service that you're already paying for, <laughs> Disney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Troy, man, box, box office. Is this, is this like the world on fire? Yeah. Or as Carlos said, does it does it have too many hurdles to overcome? And the, the true feather in its cap is going to be at the back end when it comes to the reception. I think it's already won that. Yeah, I'm going with Carlos on this one. I don't think it does. There's just, there's just too much baggage, and then that simply comes down to the performance of the first mm-hmm. one. 
Um, yeah, I don't think it can, man. Especially when uh, Carlos pointed out the title, like this, it's not really changed. Um, I know for for all of us sweaties, we're really in the the heat of all this, and so we're keeping tabs on this film. But to the outside audience, I don't really know. I don't really hear many people talk about this film. No, and so I don't. I don't think it's gonna get that big draw. Yeah, and it's it's tough too because one of my favorite quotes that Carlos always says is that the the sequel always pays for the sins of of its predecessor. And the interesting thing about even the title in this is that it doesn't like, I don't know how recognizable it is at this point. You know, maybe it has definitely a lot more, I think, wider understanding because of what came before in 2016. But, you know, if you say the Suicide Squad, I'm not sure how many people are pointing at it and saying this is like the next big comic book movie. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, we're not maybe trained in the same way or the wide audience, the peripheral audience isn't trained in the same way that we are because, that's the other thing that we have to remember too, guys, is like our timeline is is streamlined to seeing all this, right? So this is coming up all the time on our timeline. Probably not on everyone's. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays, but ultimately, I think, Carlos, you hit the nail on the head with where the true W comes in all this. And they, they've already they've already met and, and exceeded that, in in my opinion, the fact that it's getting this sort of rave reviews. And it's it's, like I said at the start, it's, pretty unprecedented to have over 100 reviews and be still be sitting at 96%. I don't know if anything outside of maybe Black Panther. I can I don't even know what it sits at right now. I think I want to say 97 for that, but I'm just going to look it up here. This is great audio, but I'm just kind of curious if if that is in Yeah. Well, I think to, I think kind Toy of Story in. 3 had it, hey. I think. And Paddington Bear. Yeah. Paddington. Paddington 2. Paddington 2. Yeah. Black Panther's 96 with 525 reviews. Wow. Yeah, and so that again was a cultural anomaly, and also a very good film. But still, look, <laughs> when you're comparing it on on a scale of, of Rotten Tomato critical reviews, Black Panther, The Suicide Squad, like that that's that's a hell of a comparison. That's you know quite good company <laughs> for the Suicide Squad, <laughs> to to say the least. And you know traditionally, what we've seen for these films on Rotten Tomatoes is once you get over like 50, 60 reviews it doesn't stray too far from what that initial tomato score is. So it's really great to see the the huge reception behind this and the big push by the studio and by James Gunn. And I'm just loving what I'm seeing. And I can't wait to get into it, guys. I cannot wait to get in. I can't wait to discuss it next week because that's what it's going to be all about. Sanjay has said he's going to try to get back for that review. So hopefully... He gets out to the theater because we know he's not buying it on PO, uh, premium VOD. But hopefully he gets out of the theaters. And, guys, we're going to be back reviewing The Suicide Squad next week. That's going to consume the entire episode. So make sure to get there. That's theatrical, HBO Max, or premium VOD if you're north of the border with us here. And check that out. So, guys, it's been another crazy episode, wild episode. And we, we've come to that time where I've got to wrap us up here. And I have I to say, guys, it's, it's always a blast talking to you guys. And I'm so happy that everyone comes back each and every week to to share and enjoy Nerd with us. And if you'd like to do that even more, you can always email us at nerdroom at gmail.com. Find everything we do, for the most part, over at thenerdroom.net. And the hunt is certainly real. And you can find that over at the NerdRM on Instagram. It's a bit light right now. We had a pretty light week, but there's things coming down. I've got some stuff waiting for me at home that I'm going to queue up here once I I get back from the vacation to put up on Instagram. 
and Twitter, guys. That's where you find us discussing everything each and every week. So our handles are the end of the episode. And guys, what what can I say? What more can I say? Get out and watch Suicide Squad. Check everything out. Enjoy it. Jared, once again, congratulations on that wonderful news of your engagement. And for the Nerd Room, guys, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Batman. And guys, thank you so much for entering the Nerd Room, and we'll talk to you guys next week. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from the Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.